Let's pray. Oh, God, you end the Bible with an altar call. Come. The Spirit says come. The bride says come. All of heaven says come. Well, here we are. We've come to this moment. If you're making an appeal to us, may we hear with the best hearing we have, with the clarity that only the Holy Spirit can bring. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's a million-dollar question for you and me. Can God revive America? One of our Canadian viewers sent me a link to the CBC. That's the Canadian Broadcasting Company. There's an article there she wanted me to read. Things fall apart in the United States and Canada takes a hard look in the mirror. Let's put, uh, this is the journalist Aaron Wary. We'll put uh, Aaron Wary's words on the screen. The United States has offered the world a demonstration of how things can fall apart. Not in one cataclysmic moment. Nope. But slowly and steadily over a long period of time as institutions and ideas erode and crumble. And when I read that, I said, wow, that's the Roman Empire. Are you serious? Can God revive America? We had a pre-election prayer meeting. Thank you, Chaplain Jose, for pulling that off. It was uh, through Zoom, Facebook Live, last Monday evening. And one of the participants, a friend of mine named Cliff Jones, said, you got to read the story of Jonah, folks. And when we read the story, I said, my Lord... I know it reads Nineveh. I'm thinking America. Come on, let's read it. When's the last time you, you were even in the book of Jonah? Tucked away in those minor prophets. Hard to find. Jonah chapter 3. We'll just, we'll just catch the flavor of this. This is, this is absolutely amazing. Jonah chapter 3, verse 1. I'm in the New International Version. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to that great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This time, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overthrown. You'll be nuked. And guess what? The Ninevites, you know, the Assyrian Empire was the baddest of the bad of the bad, cruel and violent. This is an amazing line. The Ninevites believe God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles... Do not let people or animals or herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. And did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Look, folks, if God can spare and save wicked Nineveh, 
The question, can God revive America, turns out to be a rhetorical question. So let me change the question. Can we revive America? I'm amazed at some of the suggestions now coming out of educated circles with solutions for America's need of a revival. A husband and wife uh, team, also viewers, sent me last week a link to a Christianity Today website interview. And I got to share a line from that interview with you. They're, they're interviewing uh, Kim Colby. She's a, a graduate of Harvard Law School and now with the Christian Legal Society Center for Law and Religious Freedom. They want to talk to her about the recent appointment of Amy Coney, Coney Barrett. That's just, that's the name we're living with now, to the Supreme Court. So now in the middle, in the middle of the interview, here we go. Question. Generally speaking, Protestants and Catholics read the Bible differently. So do you think they would read the Constitution differently? Answer. (laughs) That is interesting. I haven't thought about it myself or really explored it. My instinct would be no, they would not read the uh, Constitution differently, even though because theologically that's true, they do not read the Bible. They do not. They read the Bible differently. And then she relates a debate they've been having at Harvard this summer. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. These are her words. Kim Colby. There is a divide very recently where a Catholic law professor at Harvard came out and said, when we have the political power to impose what's right as we understand our faith to teach what's right, then we should do it, end quote. Is that a stunner or what? Hey, listen, let's have, a, let's have a revival. Let's legislative revival. Let's impose a revival. Come on, look, look at that line. When we have the political power to impose, well, that's a foreboding word, to impose, to force what's right as we understand our faith to teach what's right, then we should do it. Mercy. Now, she responds, and you need to see her response, this fellow attorney, and I don't agree with that. I think it is a very dangerous idea, and so do I, by the way. And there was a lot of debate about that for a few weeks this summer. My, 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 can God revive America? Well, yeah, if we can get enough power, political power, we can force America, we can impose upon America the agenda for God. You got to be kidding me. Here's the question. Who decides whose faith is supposed to be legislated? Is it the Roman Catholic's faith? Is it the Baptist faith? How about the Presbyterian's faith? How about the little Seventh-day Adventist faith? Who determines the interpretation of faith? Answer. Those who have the most votes. (laughs) That's it. Hey, listen. With all this bedlam that has gone on over counting ballots this election, can you imagine a room full of clergy and a room full of politicians arguing over whose faith is the faith that we're going to legislate, and then they cast the votes, and then they take forever to count them? I mean, what what will come out of that? Can God God revive America? We end this American apocalypse with one line. Open your Bible to the apocalypse, please. One line. This is it. Part 10, can God revive America? I mean, we're talking about a genuine, spiritual, moral revival. Could it happen here? Let's go.
go. Revelation chapter 18. Got your study Bible there with you? Just one line. Revelation 18, verse 1. And after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority. And the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Hey, have you, have you seen those screensavers that you can get? You can download. Maybe just, anyway, I, I downloaded some on my uh, Mac. They're taken by drones over great cities in the world. They're taken, by, they're taken from satellites over continents. That's just fascinating. Since I got ADHD, I just, every time that happens, I just forget what I'm doing just to watch this thing. It's beautiful. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen America at night? I'm going to show you right now. In fact, our title slide is on America at night. American apocalypse. Here's what we know. The best is yet to come. So that's the title of this piece. But let's take the words off of it. Look at America at night. My, 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 my. Hey, hey, wave. There we are. Isn't that us? (laughs) Wrong time of day. You look at that. What just happened in in, in, uh, Revelation 18 verse 1? Apparently, it's not only describing America, it's describing the whole planet. Come on. Revelation 18.1, and after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, and he had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Now, look, it's obvious to all of us. It's the, it has to be the glory of Jesus, right? I mean, you and I and angels, we got, we're the same. Humans and angels, there's, there is no glory that emanates from within. It all reflects from without. Angels don't have glory. They just hang around glory 24-7, and they got it. Wherever they go, they have the glory. So it can't be an angel's glory that, that illumines the earth. It has to come from someone else. Now, I remind you, in case you've forgotten, that nearly every line in the apocalypse is either a translation of or an allusion to something from the Old Testament. And what we see right here, in fact, is spot on. That's what it is. In fact, let me show it to you. Ezekiel chapter 43, verse 1. The man brought me, young Ezekiel the prophet, he brought me to the gate facing east. That's the direction of God. And I saw the glory of the God of Israel coming from the east. His voice, God's voice, was like the roar of rushing waters. And the land was radiant with his glory. Do you recognize that in Revelation 18.1? Of course. It's just bowed. And by the way, if you looked at the uh, description of Jesus, the physical description of the glorified Christ in Revelation chapter 1, you'll notice that his voice is described as the roar, the roar of rushing waters. And by the way, John took one look at his face that was as bright, he said, as the sun, brighter than the sun, and he's dead on the ground. He just passes out. So, that's what John is talking about. This isn't, this isn't the glory of an angel. This is the glory of the mighty, ascended, reigning, and soon coming Lord Jesus Christ. That's the glory that soaks itself into the life and story of this planet. Wow. What's going on here? I'm talking about in Revelation 18. This can't, this can't be the second coming, guys. The second coming is in chapter 19. What is happening here? Apparently, this is a global intervention. Now, listen carefully. 
this celestial ambassador breaks the the, uh, sound barrier. There must have been a sonic boom when he showed up. Just boom. Enters through our atmosphere. Feet. At the moment his feet touch this terrestrial ball, the whole ball is a light of the glory of Christ. What's going on here? Whatever it is, I'll tell you what, it is big and it is global. And that's what I love about God because he lives by this adage, go big or go home. That's just the way he lives. He doesn't do, he doesn't do puny. He does big. This is huge. Do you know what this is? This is the last revival in the history of the human race. And it hasn't even started yet. We're close. Oh, go big before you come home. That's what God is saying. How big? Take a look at this. If this is the last revival, now I suppose there'd be a clue if we went to the first revival of the Christian church, the, the, the early infant Christian movement. Let's do it. Come on. For the fun of it. Just, just go back to Acts 2. Everybody knows the story of Pentecost. I want you to see this. Because if Pentecost is this way, can you imagine what the last revival on the earth would be like? All right. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. They're in the upper room. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Notice this. It's the sound, not the movement. The curtains stand. The curtains don't even tremble. But it's the gale force wind. And then according to the Greek construction, there appears in the, over their heads an orange ball. Fire. Orange ball and an unseen hand, as it were, with a paring knife, slices off from that orange ball. And the moment that's, that slice of fire is loosened, and it's on top of somebody. It's on top of her, him, us. And all of them, what does it say here in uh, verse 4? And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. We know those are other languages because like five verses later, people from all over the planet are saying, man, how come I can hear you in my home tongue? Peter gets up and says, I know some of you think we're drunk. We're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. I want to tell you what's happening right now. Now, listen carefully, because he's going to interpret the first revival so that we can understand the, the last one, all right? He says, listen carefully. What you are seeing today is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Joel. Okay, now we pick it up, and I want you to read here, verse 17. In the last days, he's quoting Joel now. This is big fisherman Peter. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. How many people, folks? Come on. How many people? Could it be the whole world? Could that not be, could that be a huge clue that whatever breaks out will break out simultaneously all over the planet? And I will pour my spirit out on all people and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Keep reading. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth, believe, the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness. Listen, we had, a, we had a session on the powers of heaven being shaken in Luke 21. This is right around there. The, the sun will be turned to darkness. 
The moon will turn to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. This is just before, just before the return of Christ. And Peter, hey, Peter, yo, you you messed up, buddy. (laughs) This isn't about your generation. This is about our generation. We're the last generation. You're at the beginning. But he takes the description of the at the end of time revival. And he says, we're the first a down payment on what will eventually come. I mean, if the, if the beginning is like this, can you imagine what the ending will be? Let's read it again. Verse, uh, verse 1, Revelation 18, and after this I saw another angel coming down from heaven and he had great authority and the earth, we're talking about the world, folks, the earth was illuminated by his splendor. I've got to share this line with you from that apocalyptic classic, Great Controversy. If you don't have that classic, in just a moment, you're going to get, get an opportunity to get a free, no-cost copy. All right? Let's, uh, let's read Great Controversy on the screen. The angel who unites in the proclamation of the third angel's message, I like to think of this angel as the fourth angel, is to lighten the whole earth with his glory. We already got that. That's Revelation 18.1. A work of worldwide extent and Unwanted, that's old English, that means extraordinary power is here foretold. Now keep reading. The great work of the gospel. Oh, I love this. The great work of the gospel is not to close with less manifestation of the power of God than marked its opening. If you have this spectacular opening, you are assured that there will be a triumphant ending to this little community. This faith community that wanders the face of the earth, as Christianity has often bid through the millennia. Do you know what that looks like up close and personal? You got to see this. This is my, one of my favorite lines in Great Controversy. I'll put it on the screen, please. Servants of God, okay? Friends of God. Friends of God with their faces lighted up and shining with holy consecration. Well, how could your face be lighted up? There's no glory inside of me. Well, you've gotten close to somebody with glory. Obviously, they've drawn, they've drawn near to Christ. The, the, their faces radiate with that holy consecration. Friends of Jesus, with their faces lighted up, will hasten from place to place. Hit the pause button right there. These have to be Gen Zers or maybe millennials. When they want to go somewhere, all they need is a, what, what, a plane ticket, a laptop, and a passport. They can go anywhere on the planet. Pandemic has kind of ended that story. But let me just say this about the pandemic since you brought it up. The pandemic, the pandemic is not going to go indefinitely. I don't bring you a word from God. I bring you the thoughts of God that will call for this to happen. We can't do this right now. Servants, friends of Jesus, going from door to door, hastening from place to place. But the day's coming. God will not leave this planet pinned down by the enemy of the universe. Now, the devil has hell to pay, as it is. All right, friends of God, faces lighted up, hasten from place to place. I like that. To proclaim the message from heaven. Keep reading. By thousands. What's this number, folks? Thousands. These are not just little preachers running around. This is not preachers. These are by the thousands of voices, members of a faith community that will fan out over the human race. By, you're one of them. Yep. 
You're one of them. You haven't even thought of yourself as one of the thousands, but you are one of them. By thousands of voices all over the earth, the warning. What warning? Jesus is coming soon. And by the way, don't you dare get that mark of the beast. Don't you get it? It's, it's, it's the end. Stay true to Jesus. The warning will be given. Miracles will be wrought. The sick will be healed. And look at this. And signs and wonders will follow the believers. You remember last week those three ugly frogs coming out? Oh, you remember that coming out of the mouth, all right? The satanic trinity. What were those three ugly green frogs? Spirits of demons performing signs and wonders to deceive the kings of the earth. Guess what? God gets a jump on it. And he has his signs and wonders ready to go through thousands of people, including you. And I hope me. Wow. Well, Satan's not going to take that. Satan also works. He's not going to let the, a, a global revival rain on his parade. Satan also works with lying wonders, even bringing down fire from heaven in the sight of men and women. We, we've already read that in Revelation 13. One more line. Thus, the inhabitants of the earth will be brought to take their stand. This massive, this mighty revival is going to be bigger than what started. This go big and come home revival of the entire planet. This is, this is no dress rehearsal. This is no wimpy imitation. It's the real deal. It's the real deal that we've been talking about and some of us praying about for a long time. It's the last apocalyptic rainfall of the Holy Spirit on the human race. You've heard people call, call something latter rain. Have you ever heard that? Latter rain. That's it right here. It's this global revival. It's the latter rain. I like the way my friend Norm Gully in his book, Christ is Coming, he calls it the second coming of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I like that. Where was, when was his first coming? Pentecost. There'll be a second coming. Of course, he's never left the whole time. Right here. The second coming of the Holy Spirit. My. And, and then Norman Gulley makes the point. If you want to be ready for the second coming of Jesus, you got to be ready for the second coming of the Holy Spirit first. No second coming of the Spirit in your heart. <laughs> no going to the home of the second coming Jesus. Oh, Dwight, that's kind of rough. Now, let me just read Gully on the screen here for a minute. Here's the bottom line, okay? So he's making the point. To be ready for the second coming of Christ, we must be ready for the second coming of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. But to be unready for the coming of the Holy Spirit is to be unready for the coming of Christ. What's the point? You can't just blow this off. Come on, guys, you can't blow. I'm not into this Holy Spirit stuff. I'm not a Pentecostal. I'm not charismatic. I'm just not into that. You better get into it. You got to get into it. So your soul depends on it. Uh, let me explain. Do you ever pray for somebody who's lost? Somebody you love, somebody you know very well? A friend of mine out in California just this week sent me an email and said, Hey, Dwight, I got to share a story with you. Turns out there are two grown men out there on the West Coast, I don't know who they are, by the way, who haven't been to church since they were teenagers, okay? So they went to church, okay, my teens are over, now I'm on my own. And they have been on their own all these years. 
Turns out they have a younger sister who is relentless in her prayers for her two older brothers. Come on, sisters. Pray for your brothers and the other way around. She's been praying for them. And she's been watching this series. And so she gets a hold of her two bros and she says, you guys, you need to watch American Apocalypse. That's what you need. This is truly the Holy Spirit moment of the story. They both decide to do that. They're living in separate places. And they watch the series, which is ending right now. And they give their hearts to Jesus. Unbelievable. Independent of each other, they call the local pastor of the church they grew up in. I want to come home to the church and to Jesus. What do I need to do? Isn't that something? Come on, guys. God is just softening up the earth. One of these days, it comes. The second coming of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're partnered with the Holy Spirit like this young sister obviously is, there is no limit what he can arrange to be the very answer your heart is longing for most. How does she know what to say? She, she could have sent, him, sent them a book or whatever. I have no idea, but he said, tell them this. She told them that, and they got saved. Don't blow off, by the way, the teaching of prophecy. There is a power embedded in your study of prophecy that you won't find anywhere else. Wow. So, hey, listen, take these three action steps. Let's just do this. Three action steps. You want to get ready for the second coming of the Holy Spirit? Here are three action steps. You want to help God reach America? Can God revive America? Are you kidding? Of course he can. Pray for your lost family members and friends every day. Come on, just pray for them. That's not, that's not hard to do. Pray for them. Number two, then, and this was new for me, then ask for the Holy Spirit to give you an idea that will reach these you are praying for. I'm praying for a man. He's a professional in this community. And I'm saying, come on, Holy Spirit, what am I going to do? We've become friends. What am I going to do? I mean, the story of that younger sister shows you that it may be coloring outside the box, but I'm asking you to do it. And then number three, three action steps every morning. Pray the simple prayer of asking, Holy Spirit, please baptize me today with the heart and mind of Jesus. Just baptize me today. You remember the story of the 10 girlfriends? Remember that parable? The bridegroom, come on, where's the bridegroom? We've been here. You know how long we've been here? Where is he? I don't know. And all 10 went to sleep, true or false? They did. But five of them woke up and found out that they did not have sufficient oil and the oil petered out before the bridegroom arrived. They went to Walmart and while they were there, he came and that was it. They're out. We're all drowsy right now. Although this pandemic and life in America has awakened most of us, this is the time for that oil. You can't wait till the big crisis comes. Too late. This is the time for the oil of the Holy Spirit for you to grow that friendship with Jesus right now. And the Spirit is the huge key to a personal friendship with Jesus. This is it. Wow. Can God revive America? Please. One lost soul at a time. That's how he's going to do it. Through one found soul at a time, through you and your prayers. 
Don't forget number two. Ask him. Now, listen, how should I do this with my colleague at work? How should I do this with the, with the guy that lives down the hallway in that dorm room? I know he needs you. What should I do? Just ask him. He said, I know, I know him like a book. I'll tell you, do this. Be listening. You'll be surprised. How did that younger sister know? She just did something. Hmm. Can God revive America with an election like this? With social and mental disruptions? With a society now living in disequilibrium, cognitive dissonance, life has been thrown upside down, and you're saying, this is really the pitiful time to reach America. Are you, are you kidding? It's the other way around. This is the perfect time. It is when people are going through cognitive dissonance and they, they can, reality does not match their expectations. So it creates this unsettledness. When I am unsettled, I'm wide open for something new. Now, both sides play with that same principle. Both sides are going to come chomping in, saying, I got something new for you. But you work for Jesus. You're one of those thousands of voices that one day will build the planet. What can I do? Well, it's a huge call to pray for America daily. I hope you don't stop just because we have gotten through an election and who knows whether we're through that election. I hope you pray for America. I do daily, daily. Come on, daily. These are huge opportunities. If, if God could save Nineveh, my Lord, the highest political officer of Nineveh got saved, why can't the highest political leaders of America get saved? Don't put it past God to do the go big before going home. You got to trust him. You got to believe. Uh, well, let me close with an illustration that really did it for me. My friend Marvin Moore it's a good one. He says, do you ever get the feeling just kind of discouraged? Guy in the back row, yes. You know, discouraged about, hey, how are we going to reach America? How are we going to reach the world? I mean, come on, how many people? One, two, three, three. And, and uh, how many out there? Da, 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 da. Oh. He says, what I need you to remember is when you set up your Christmas tree. Anybody already set up the Christmas trees? I know Walmart probably has them all up, but... I don't know. Uh, when you set up your Christmas tree, tell me, true or false. So you got the naked tree right there. It could be artificial or it could be real. Doesn't matter. You get those lights. Don't the lights have to go on first? Yes, they do. Thank you for reminding me. You just start taking those lights. They're off, but you're going to move them around. Yeah, put a little pinpoint of light. That will look nice if it lights up there. And then you, you range it on this branch and this branch, and you work your way all the way up to the top. And then everybody loves this moment in your home and mine. Okay, all right, kids, turn off the lights in the living room. Let's go. All right, Junior, you ready to go? When I say go, you go. And the lights are off. This dark tree is sitting there, and Junior shoves that, that plug into that socket, and shoo, the tree is awash in glory. And everybody starts applauding. And you take a few bows, and... What happened? Before the lights were turned on, I was just one little pinpoint, one little tiny bulb. But when the day came for God to turn the power on, I suddenly discover 
There are hundreds and thousands of little lights just like me all around me, and I never saw them. Here I've been complaining, what a mess, what a challenge. It won't work. God says, just let me turn the power on. Revelation 18.1, after this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor because the Holy Spirit hit the switch. And here, hither, to unknown points of light. She was in that dorm. How many years have I been working with this guy? I didn't know he was a point of light. Ah, I tell you what, the best is yet to come. Can I just say that? The best is yet to come. Because not only do we have the second coming of Jesus, hallelujah, we have the second coming of the Holy Spirit before the second coming of Jesus. And this planet has never seen that. And you're going to be a part of it. Thousands of you will be a part of it because God has called you right now. Don't you tell me you're too young. You're not too young. He's going to have to have an entire generation of young because he's not waiting for everybody to grow up. It's go now. And you're it. Oh, my. The best is yet to come. It's always that way with Jesus, by the way. If you give your life to Jesus, it'll always be true. The best is yet to come. This is just the way he is. He keeps giving you better, 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 better. And the best will always be yet to come. What a, what a savior. What a spirit. Come on. We just waved our hands a moment ago. That beautiful baptism of Lamar. And by the way, we had another college student, Michael, in uh, first service. Two beautiful baptisms. How many, instead of saying amen, how many want to put your hand up and say, you know what, Dwight? I want to be a part of those thousands. I want to be a part of that second coming of the Holy Spirit so that when, when he hits the on switch, that this little point of light will suddenly glow like I've never glown before. He's coming soon. He's ready for you now. I say, let's go with him. What do you say? Yeah. Let's take out the Connect card real quick before I sit down. Connect card. PMChurch.org. You want the digital Connect card? Here it is. PMChurch.org slash connect. And what will we find there? You'll find the word connect. And then my next step today is I want to be a pinpoint of light for Jesus in my world. We all raised our hands and said, yep, 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 yep. Box number two, please send me a copy of The Great Controversy. I want to learn more about American prophecy. If you don't have this book, all I need is an email address, and you'll have it this week, next week. You got to have it. You have to have it. This book was, this, 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 is a, this is dynamite. All right, box number three, I want to follow Jesus in baptism. Amar. No, he's kind of holding back. You heard him say, I don't know. Should I get baptized now? Maybe I don't wait. Don't do like Amar. Say, hey, forget it, devil. I know why you don't want me to get baptized. Say yes to Jesus, and he'll take care of the details. Promise. Say yes to Jesus. You put a check mark there. We need your uh, email address because we want to be back in touch with you. We'll do whatever it takes to help you. Okay, is there another box? Yep. Ah. For a book on how to be baptized daily by the Holy Spirit, write HS for Holy Spirit on the prayer request line. You'll see it there digitally. But if you want to save a step and get the book right now after, after you go back to your Wi-Fi, here's where you go, www.steps.com. 
dash to dash personal dash revival dot info. That's it. You go to that website and the book that changed, reshaped my life in ministry, written by a German, elderly German businessman named Helmut Haubile. That book will be waiting for you and you'll download it and you'll have it this afternoon. Just remember that website, Steps to Personal Revival, separated by those dashes. God is ready to go. Ready to go. And I am grateful that you are too. God bless you.